Hello, and welcome back to school. You're listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. We're so glad to be back on campus, meeting new friends and reconnecting with old ones. And that's our job as Christians, to love one another. But that's easier said than done. So we're launching into a new series as I have loved you, looking at how Jesus loved. Today, Neil's gonna take us through the way that Jesus accepted people where they were and why that's so important for us today. Welcome to Challenge. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's like herding cats, trying to get everybody back. Okay, great. I'll tell you what, well, hopefully uh, you met somebody you did not know yet or you met someone that uh, you found you thought, hey, I like this person. And uh, hopefully you were able to discuss some things you'd like to learn. So we'll look at that. Uh, Our creative team who put this together, by the way, which I'm not one of, I'm not creative like that, but John and the guys are, and you know, you probably wonder who was the apostle John right there? That is our own David. Where is David? David's right here somewhere. Yeah, it's right over there. That's right. So uh, yeah, yeah. So, While we're not going to have the actual Apostle John with us, what we do have is the benefit of having his writings that, uh, you know, Jesus inspired and that he left so that we'll be able to reference those and talk about those some tonight. So that'll be good. So let me tell you a little bit as we get started, kind of how we do things in general in challenge. Now, it's been long enough. I'm not sure I remember, but kind of what I think we did is this. What we'll do is we'll take a passage or we'll take a story from scripture and then We'll look at it for several weeks and we'll try to figure out, okay, how do you take this and put it into practical use in everyday life? How do you take this and actually begin to do it? So that's what we're going to look at. What you're going to find is this. As we begin to look at this series on, you know, as I have loved, what you're going to find is if you're going to experience the life that you crave and in the one that God desires for you, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to begin to learn to love. Is this thing working okay here? Because I seem like I'm going up and down. Um, so there, I think we're get, getting modified there somewhere. You know, you're going to have to learn how to love if you're going to really experience the life you want and the one that God wants you to have. So you're going to have to learn how to do that. So in John 13, 34 and 35, to kind of set the stage for you and tell you a little bit about this, This is Jesus's last night on earth. In fact, the passage tells us right there in the verses before that, it said Jesus realized he'd come from the Father. He realized he was going to the Father. He realized the Father had given all things into his hand. And so then what the passage goes on to say is these are his words to the disciples, knowing this is his last night. So very carefully chosen words. And he says this in John 13. He says, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love, if you have love for one another. And as he spoke those words, as I have loved you. I imagine that what began to go through the disciples' minds were the last three years. I mean, he had spent three years, night and day, with these 12 guys. And had invested in them. I mean, they'd seen him in pretty much every situation you can possibly see someone. And I'm sure they began to reflect and they began to think through how he had loved them. And several of the things he talked about a minute ago in the intro there, you know, how he had borne with them, how he had forgiven them, how he had corrected them, how he had served them, all sorts of different things that he had done. 
they looked at those things and then they began to think probably one of the things at the very top of their list was how he had accepted people. In fact, how he had accepted them. In fact, we could probably do a whole series just on how Jesus patiently accepted the 12, you know, day after day after day for three years, you know, but we're not going to look at that. But let me, let me give you just an excerpt from that. I want you to imagine for a minute this. I want you to imagine that a doctor's just kind of talked to you and told you, you know, hey, the diagnosis isn't good. And so now you're sitting there with a group of your closest friends and they're gathered around you and you tell them, hey, guys, um, I'm not going to make it. You know, I mean, we're looking terminal within 24 hours. And not only that, it's going to be a really painful death. Now, I want you to think for a minute, how would you feel if the first words out of their mouth after that were, <clears throat> could I have your Apple watch uh, when you're gone? And you're kind of going, no. Who would do something like that? Hold on, you'll see. Um, in Mark chapter 10, here's what we see. In Mark chapter 10, there, Jesus is walking along the road, headed toward Jerusalem with the disciples. It says, they were on the road going to Jerusalem, and he took the twelve aside and began to tell them what was going to happen to him, saying, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priest and the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, spit on him, scourge him, and kill him. And three days later, he will rise again. Now you would think the disciples are going to be like welling up with empathy. They're like, what? No, no. In the next verse, James and John, yeah, um, the two sons of Zebedee came up to Jesus and said, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Now, I have grandchildren that say this, okay? I, I understand this. You know, we want you to do whatever we ask. Jesus very wise. He says, what do you want me to do for you? By the way, always ask that question. If someone says, can you do me a favor? Always say, what do you want me to do? Because if you agree up front, oh, that could be. So they, he says, what do you want me to do? And they say, grant that we may sit one on your right and one on your left in your glory. So here you have Jesus. He has just told them, guys, I'm going to die this horrible death, and uh, they're going to put me to death here in just a matter of hours. And what's the first words out of the disciples' mouth? Could I have dibs on the seat by you in the kingdom? You know, you think that's possible? And so you wonder, what did Jesus do? Did Jesus go, okay, you're out. You know, we're replacing you with Mordecai over here and a few others. You know, I mean, you know, James and John. No, no, no. What you see with Jesus patiently continues with them patiently loves them, patiently accepts them. In fact, in John 13, 1, it says, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Jesus' response was to continue right on, continue accepting them, continue just loving them just like he loved them. See, people loved to be around Jesus because of the way he accepted them. I mean, when you look at him, you know, the, the way of Jesus, there's something that appeals about his way to every single one of us. There's something that, that, that everybody, there's something that just appeals to their soul about that because it appeals to our desire to be included. It appeals to our desire to be known. It appeals to our desire to be loved. And 
what we need to figure out is if we're going to live out what he's talking about here, if we're going to live out loving others as he has loved us, then we need to know three things. We need to know, you know, all right, if we're going to accept people like we're talking about this week, what does that mean? What is acceptance? What is it not? And then how do you practically do it? So what is it? What is it not? And how do you practically do it? So what, what is acceptance? Let's look at that for a second. What is acceptance? Actually, the word that is used there when he, when he talks about accepting, and you see it again in Romans when Paul's talking, which we'll look at later, but he, the word means to receive. It means you receive someone. Actually, it means you welcome someone. You welcome them with this, this strong personal interest. You welcome someone. In fact, it also means that you grant them access to your heart. In other words, you care enough about them, you welcome them enough that you, you kind of grant them access into your life. You welcome them into your life. That's what it looks like. So how did the disciples see that lived out and how did they experience that in the life of Jesus? What, what kind of things, how did that look like? Let me give you five things that I think they saw that you can kind of pick up on about what um, acceptance is not and kind of what it is and where it starts. Acceptance begins with how you think. It begins with how you think. What Jesus did, Jesus saw people as having great worth. He saw them as really worthy of respect. And so you begin to look, you know, there's two ways that basically you can look at people. You can look at people as kind of like, you know, people that are made in the image of God who he dearly loves and wants to have a relationship with and wants to have fellowship with who just happen to be sinners. Or you can look at people as, you know, these awful, evil sinners who just happen to be people. And the way you look at them will make all the difference in the world. What Jesus did was Jesus saw them like that. It didn't matter whether it was a leper or whether it was a blind man, or whether it was a rich young ruler, he saw every one of them as having worth. He saw every one of them as people that were worthy of respect, people who should be accepted, every single one of them. The second thing, acceptance is kind of a dynamic process. I'm sure as the disciples began to think about that, what I mean by that is it, it grows, it evolves, it, it, it's, it's not static. <clears throat> so, I'm sure as they thought about it and they began to think about acceptance, one of the very first things that came to their mind was when Matthew joined the crew. Now, the rest of the guys were all like fishermen and different things like that. And then one day they're walking along and they pass by this guy who is a tax collector. Now, by the way, <clears throat> none of the Jewish people like tax collectors because they were one of their own who had just gone against everything and was like a traitor to their race. And so what they did was a tax collector could take so much money that the Romans wanted him to collect. And then anything above that, that he wanted to charge people, he could charge people and they had to pay it because Rome was backing him up. So these people would rip off their fellow countrymen millions of, of dollars worth of uh, money from them. And so they hated these guys. And one day they're walking along, and as they're walking along, you know, Jesus sees Matthew there, and he says, Matthew, come follow me. And I'm sure the rest of the disciples were like, what? No. 
No, 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 no. There goes the group. Uh, you know, I'm just like, what in the world are you doing? And what they had to do was over time, they had to begin to get comfortable, not with the Matthew who used to be and how he used to be. They had to get comfortable with the Matthew that was now one of them. They had to learn to accept him just like Jesus did. And if you know what, what you're going to find is this. The more you exercise that acceptance muscle of actually stepping in and receiving people and really, you know, loving them well, the more it'll grow, the better off you'll do. The third thing they found, acceptance does not mean approval. Acceptance does not mean approval. You know, you can love someone and you can really accept them and not approve necessarily of their lifestyle or not approve of what they do. Just because you accept them doesn't mean you approve of everything. In fact, you see this in Jesus, in John chapter 4. There's a woman, and she's described as a Samaritan woman, and Jesus is coming along, and he stops, and he comes up to this well, and the woman's out there, it's in the middle of the day, and he's, she's drawing water, and Jesus said, could you, could you give me a drink? And she says, what are you being a Jew, asking me, a Samaritan, for a drink. Because back then, Jews and Samaritans didn't really get along. Kind of like Trojans, Bruins. They didn't get along. Okay, I mean, it was just, it was worse even. Um, I know it's hard to believe. Um, but they didn't get along. And, you know, the Samaritans had, had been the kind of the remnant of the Jewish people who'd split off years and years before and were up north and uh, had kind of begun to worship differently up north and do different things instead of coming to Jerusalem, instead of worshiping God. And so there, there was a difference there. And then whenever Assyria stepped in and took them away, um, took the Israelites away, then what happened? There was this remnant that was left over and they intermarried with all the other people that were up there, all of the Gentiles that were there. So the Jewish people down here, they just didn't look very kindly upon them. And so she's asking him, what are you doing? And Jesus says, you know, if you'd known who it was that was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me and I would have given you living water. And she said, now, how's that? You have nothing to draw with. And how, how, how are you going to get living? Are you, are you greater than our father, Jacob, who actually dug this well? I mean, how in the world are you going to pull that off? And he said, oh, I'll tell you what, the water I would give you, it would be water that would well up inside of you and you'd never thirst again. And so she looks at this and she says, you know, I want that water. I, I want that. And Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you what, why don't you go get your husband? And she goes, um, actually, I, I don't really have a husband. And Jesus said, well, you've said well. So you've had five husbands and the man you're living with now is not your husband. Now, her response is keen. She goes, I think you're a prophet. And he goes, hmm. and, you know, kind of looks at her and she says, um, you know, which brings up a question. See, this is my problem. I've been wondering, should we worship over here or should we worship over there? Because that's that's whole thing. That's what's been messing me up. That's why I've had five husbands. You know, I mean, uh, you know, which you'll find, you know, uh, people that have, you know, moral issues. Sometimes they, they kind of mask it. It's a theological problem. That's what it is. You know? And so, you know, uh, he comes to her and he says, no, no, lady. He says, 
the day is coming when those who worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. And Jesus, you know, reaches out to her. He begins a conversation. He talks with her. But you know what? He's not accepting of her lifestyle. He doesn't approve of her lifestyle. He's not going, you know, well, this is what I'm about. But he's totally accepting of her. We can do that same exact thing. We can be accepting without being approving. In fact, what Jesus does is this. He holds on to truth. This is truth. But he always extends a hand of love. And that's one of the things we have to learn to do. You hold on to truth. Both of those things are essential. If you let go of truth, you have no moorings. You have no basis for, you know, anything that's right or wrong. You don't have anything if you let go of truth. But at the same time, you don't hold on to truth with both hands. You hold on to truth with one hand. With the other hand, you extend a hand of love and grace to people. So that's one of the other things Jesus did. The fourth thing. Acceptance does not mean that you don't let people choose to walk away. It doesn't mean that you don't let people choose to walk away. If you read in Matthew 19, you read the story of what they call the rich young ruler. And this is a guy that comes to Jesus one night. And he says, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you, you know, you know the law. What do you do? And he goes, well, like <clears throat> specifically, what should I do? And Jesus said, well, you know, honor your mother and father, you know, love God. He starts going through the list right there. And the guy goes, I've done all these things. And Jesus says, one thing you lack. Go sell what you have. Come follow me. And he said, and the guy walked away because he had much property and stuff. And so you see, he's come to Jesus. He's wanting Jesus to give him something, you know, hey, check that box, move on. And he said, instead, Jesus comes and says, no, I'm offering you a relationship. You know, you can have this relationship. You can come here. But instead, says, the guy walked away. And what you don't see is Jesus going, no, no, I didn't mean it. Come back, come back. No, Jesus allowed him to walk away. You know, when you accept someone, that doesn't mean you chase them all over the place and you're just like, you know, oh, you know, you, no, no. I mean, if they want, you know, if they say, well, I'm, you know, I'm gone. You, you, you allow them to do that. And then lastly, acceptance does not mean you try to reform someone. You know, a lot of times we get around people and if they don't feel accepted, they look and they think, it, you know, Sometimes if they don't sense acceptance, they think it almost feels like those people want to reform me. And sometimes the reason it feels that way is because sometimes you want to reform them, you know, and, and you're like, well, but it's for good reason. I mean, you know, what they do, some of this stuff they do, that the, the sin, it just bothers me. And it's like, well, get past it. Okay. I mean, it, it's one of those things that those are just symptoms. Those are just symptoms. Those aren't what really the problem is. The problem's in the heart. Those are just symptomatic. And so what you have to do is you have to remember, what is God set up as the division of labor? See, our job isn't to try to reform people. Our job isn't to change people. That's God's job. God draws them. God convicts them. God changes them. Our job, love them, pray for them, share with them. That's our job. We do our job, God won't do our job. We can't do God's job. So what we need to do is we need to learn to do that. And so you begin to do that. You begin to actually 
follow him. What you find is this, our vertical relationship with God has horizontal implications for the way that we relate to one another. Our vertical relationship with God has horizontal implications for the way that we relate to one another. We need to learn to love like he loved. We need to learn to accept people like that. So, you know, loving others, it's not that you can be content with, well, I didn't do them any harm. It's like, no, no, no. You need to actually do them good. You need to actually do good towards them. So what does it look like? How do you practically put this into practice? I'm glad you asked. It is very simple. Easy as one, two, three. One, two, three. First, choose one way to view people. Choose one way to view people. Choose to view them as God's highest creation, made in his image, who he longs to have fellowship with, who just happen to be sinners. Choose to see people that one way. Secondly, remember you have two hands. With one, you hold on to truth. With the other, you extend a hand of love and grace. You always hold on to truth, but you always extend a hand of love and grace. And lastly, you have three responsibilities. Love people, pray for them, share with them. That's your job. Your job isn't to try to reform them. Your job isn't to try to change them. Your job, love them, pray for them, share with them. So why do we need to do this? I mean, other than the fact that Jesus commanded it. I mean, why do we need to do this? Well, two, two reasons. One, God rightly deserves what, we, what happens as a result of us doing that. And secondly, we desperately need what happens as a result of that. In Romans 15, 7, Paul, echoing what Jesus says, says this, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you, in order to bring praise to God. What you see is this, as we accept others, God is really honored, and that is exactly what he deserves. He deserves to be honored. He deserves to be, you know, exalted by the way that we love and accept one another. The other thing that happens is this, you find it meets a desperate need in each one of our lives. As you look around this campus, men and women, what I would tell you is this, you walk around here, moment after moment, day after day, you look at all the people, 47,000 strong, and what you find is each one of them longs to have a deep, loving relationship that will really meet the needs of their life, which is found in a relationship with God. And so as you begin to love like Jesus loved, what you begin to find, they begin to experience that. Something they desperately need, something you desperately need. And so we can, we can really begin to live that out. So as I have loved you, next week we'll look at another facet of just, you know, how do we look at that? We'll have that for about several weeks where we kind of look at, okay, what are some different ways <clears throat> that Jesus practically lived this out and how can we do the same thing? So let's take a moment, let's pray, and then we'll uh, welcome the team back up. Father, thank you for the fact that um, as you told us to love others, you gave us very clear and simple instruction to simply follow the example that you'd already set for us. And so, Father, I pray that we would do that. I pray we would begin to love other people in a way that really makes sense and in a way that really helps them to see more and more of who you are and what you're like. 
And we pray that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the USC Christian Challenge podcast. You can find new and archived episodes on your favorite podcast platforms. Challenge meets every Thursday night at 7.30 p.m. in TCC 450 on the campus of the University of Southern California. If you're around, we'd love to see you there. Find out more about us, upcoming events, and weekly small groups on Instagram at USC Challenge and on our website, uscchristianchallenge.com.